Welcome to a brand new episode of the Bold Take Podcast. I'm Austin Hill. With me as always is Austin Waiter. And we're back after an exciting, exciting weekend of football. And I'm not just talking about college football, NFL football. There were some really great games uh, from this week, including a a surprising, uh, crazy finish to Monday Night Football, which we'll get into in our NFL episode. But of course, we're back talking college football and championship weekend. And boy, oh boy, did we have some drama shake down there. You know, uh, I think I said the whole year I was complaining about, you know, we haven't had a true upset or like, when are we going to have like one of those weekends where we have no idea what's going to happen? Part of that happened this weekend and it caused, um, you know, just a, just a tad bit of chaos, just a tad bit. You know, it's not like we had teams fall from one to out of the playoff rankings or teams jump from eight into the top four, seven into the top four. It's not like any of that happened. Yeah, no, nothing like that happened. Um, of course, it was a pretty quiet weekend uh, of football, but uh, <laughs> it started all on Friday night with New Mexico State versus Liberty, and Liberty got the job done, um, and those Aggies just couldn't cover for you. I know we were watching the game together, and they just couldn't pull it out. Re- refs had Liberty minus 10.5. You can't yeah. convince me otherwise. That ending was was disgusting. I, I don't think I've ever been more appalled with officiating to end a game. Uh, but no, I mean, shout out to Liberty, 13-0. Uh, they're going to get to play uh, in a New Year's Six Bowl, so that's a big thing for Liberty. I mean, Absolutely. I'm, I'm not going to lie, I never thought I'd see the day where Liberty's in a New Year's Six Bowl game. Uh, but no, shout out to them. Shout out to their uh, quarterback, uh, Caden Salter. I'm very surprised to see he is not in the transfer portal right now. Yeah. Because uh, every other QB in the entire United States is in the transfer portal, so I thought he'd join him in there. But no, congrats to um, Liberty and I mean New Mexico State. Look, I know this hurts, but you guys, compared to where you were a few years ago with Jerry Kill to where you are now, you're you're in the right direction. You guys are you guys are going to be a problem for the next couple of years, especially with the true freshman Blaze Berlowitz being the future of that program. Absolutely, um, and then. We had our first uh, playoff deciding matchup on Friday night in the primetime, uh, and this was Washington versus Oregon, and this was a tightly contested game, although at points it looked like both of these teams were going to run away with it. Um, Washington got the job done 34-31, to uh, and we, again, watched most of this game together, uh, but in that first quarter, the way Washington came out and put together two really beautiful uh, drives uh, to push them out and up uh, early. And their defense, two three and outs on Oregon, I think they had a total of like 30 seconds of possession on those first two drives. Um, It was unbelievable kind of the way Oregon came out or Washington came out and played. And like I said, uh, a big storyline coming into this game was uh, Washington got lucky. Um, Washington didn't win the game. It, it, nine, uh, 99 times out of 100, Oregon wins this game. Um, even though, again, last year we saw the same exact thing uh, with Washington getting the job done in the regular season. Um, so winning their last two matchups doesn't seem like luck. They came into this game, they took that personally. And again, this is a better Washington team than the team that played Oregon at the oh, beginning yeah. of the year. Uh, the defense was head and shoulders better, and the run game is far more established. Absolutely. I mean, I'll just tell you, you talked about them dominating time of possession. Washington, 36 minutes, 58 seconds time of possession. Oregon, 22 minutes, 52 seconds. That's 14 more minutes. I mean, literally, they came out, and instead of, you know, we're going for high score, and they're like, let's slow it down, work methodically down the field. And they did that early, and I thought, man, Washington might blow them out. But then 
the third quarter happened and Oregon scored 14 on answer. So I was like, oh, okay, here's Oregon. Now they just had to wake up. But no, Washington, I mean, this was a, about as great as the first matchup. Maybe not as great because it didn't come down to, you know, a field goal or anything. I will give Dan Lanning credit. He didn't do anything stupid in the final minutes of this game. I will give him yeah, credit for that. Um, yeah, he didn't make any mistakes. Uh, the defense just could not stop <laughs> yeah. uh, Michael Penix on that final drive. No, they couldn't, especially because I think it was, what, third and goal from the two, three-point game. I was like, you stop them, you have a good chance. And then they scored on that, like, 70-yard play so quickly that I thought they had a chance. But Washington was able to run the clock out in. You know, I'll be one of the ones. I was rooting for Michael Penix, but I picked Oregon. I'll take the blame. That was stupid on my part for um, thinking that. Uh, but congrats to Washington, man. 13-0, second ever time in the playoffs, first time without Jake Browning. Let's yeah, remember that. absolutely. <laughs> um, but he uh, had a little bit of that look from the Huskies. Yeah, uh, just this a past, it. Uh, it was a good day. day. It was a good week to be a Washington Husky. <laughs> absolutely. I'll agree with that statement. Um, but – Obviously, in this matchup, uh, the the talk was, you know, probably win or go home for right. the team in this matchup, as we're going to see for a lot of these matchups coming up. Um, but Washington gets the job done. They sealed the deal with Oregon um, in pretty resounding fashion. Uh, of course, we'll talk about the rankings a little bit in a moment, but were you surprised that Washington was not number one? I mean, look, kind of, but if they're doing it in the rankings the way they thought they would, I thought Michigan was at two, Washington's at three, Michigan won uh, a certain team that we're going to talk about in a bit. They lost at number one, so I thought most likely they're going to move Michigan up each team by one. That's what I thought. But I thought there was a fair argument for Washington to be a number one. I just didn't think they were going to do it because I thought they would just move them up because they already had their hands full with trying to figure out who number three and number four were. So Yeah, um, to me – Really, as far as it's all concerned, it doesn't make a difference at one and two. Um, so, uh, to me, I there are two ways to look at that. I mean, it doesn't make a difference, so just move them both up one, um, and that way people don't feel like they're necessarily being punished. Or kind of to me, it's like it doesn't really matter who's one and two, um, so shouldn't Washington at least get to play in the Rose Bowl? Um Personally, my thought. I mean, um, look, it's the, it, it. I know, I know they didn't want it, but in my opinion, I wish they would have worked out a way to get Pac-12 versus Big Ten in the Rose Bowl, like it's been. I know yeah. it would have been hard because that would have meant that you would have jumped Texas or Alabama up to two or to three, but um, or drop or moved up Washington to one and drop Michigan to three. You know, um, but I just. I wish they could to get those two to play because I think that'd be fun. And speaking of Michigan, there's apparently some news here, Austin, I'll share with you. Really? Apparently, Michigan is working on a contract extension for Jim Harbaugh um, worth $11 million per year for five years. But the biggest hurdle left is a commitment in writing from Harbaugh that he will not pursue an NFL job this cycle. Yep. Which, I mean, that did we not mention that earlier this year where we said, if I'm Michigan, I want a definitive answer are you going to look for a job or not? If you aren't, I want proof that you're staying here. It's clearly that's what they're doing. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, and, you know, with when the scandal and stuff came out, the contract extension that they had almost signed off on uh, between Michigan and Harbaugh was voided, um, the university and Harbaugh. And to me, right. that almost indicated uh, that they were going to kind of let him go because – like. What something that is not being talked about enough right now is the NCAA has not closed their investigation on this scandal, 
And if they're taking it into the offseason, I wouldn't look at that as a great sign if I'm Michigan. And if I'm Harbaugh, unfortunately, kind of the way college football is designed, it's only going to be the program that gets punished and not the coach. If you're Harbaugh, uh, I'm not – I personally – it's not the right move, but I'm not signing any contract extension or anything that says I'm not going anywhere until I know what our punishment's going to be. Because if Michigan's going to have to serve some kind of long-term suspension from postseason play or anything like that, um, then it's probably time for uh, Jim Harbaugh to do a similar move to what John Calipari did at Memphis and pack up the bags and let the program uh, and the university face the punishment while you go on. And and UMass. Don't forget about UMass either. Left to go coach in the NBA and left them with a scandal. I mean, so – I could I could see arguments for both sides for it, but I mean that's a hard decision for Harbaugh. Cause I mean, what hasn't it been two, three straight years we heard rumors about him? We thought he was going to Minnesota the previous year. We thought he was going to Denver this past off season. I mean, if they if they hear a rumor about this come out in the off season, what does that do to Michigan's uh, like commitment to him? You know what I mean? Because imagine he signs it, but then you hear a report he's being he's getting interviewed for the Carolina Panthers job. Or the um, a Las Vegas Raiders job, you know, if he gets offered something along, if there's reports of him being offered the job or interviewing for that, I wonder what that does to the commitment at Michigan. Well, I'll say one thing, and I think why they want this uh, this uh, commitment in writing so bad is that they saw this team without Harbaugh, and I think they have confidence in the rest of this coaching staff um, and what they were able to do. Um, whether you think it was pretty football or not, uh, what they were able to do while Harbaugh was away. Um, I think they have some uh, newfound confidence in these guys and maybe be willing to make some promotions if Harbaugh decides to leave. And it may be less of a, we want you to stay and more of a, if you're not going to stay, we need to know now so we can start yeah. getting on the road and setting up our future. I agree. Um, so, but let's talk about uh, this MAC championship game. The Miami of, Ohio, uh, Miami of Ohio, the real Miami University, um, wins 23-14 to 14 against Toledo. And, you know, this has kind of been the thing for Toledo in this MAC championship. They've gone a lot in the last decade. Um, but they are not necessarily winning that championship game at a high clip. Uh, absolutely hats off. Uh, performance from uh, Miami of Ohio. This this was a game uh, to remember for them to get the job done uh, and as the underdogs too. Yep. So really to come out and show out. And also, just to mention in that Oregon-Washington game, the over-under was a push. I don't know if that counts as a loss or a tie for me, um, but I don't think it should count as a loss on my record because it we'll was a put push. a we'll put a one next to it. We'll put you as so here. We'll do, we'll do it live on here just to confirm it. Here's what we'll do. So we will put you at, as I have my bed of the week records here. With if it would have been a loss, you would have been at seven nine. But now we're gonna put seven eight and, and one. one. I'll with take a, that. with a push. You would have got your money back. Yeah, you got your money back. I will say good news for mine. Uh, shout out Washington, literally. Washington plus nine and a half was the easiest, the easiest bet in the history of of football. I'm not gonna lie. It was it was that easy. But no. Somebody we, got yeah. fired. Yeah. Someone at someone in Vegas they were like, okay, who who was the idiot that did that? And you just see the guy slowly sinking into his chair. Yeah, somebody like, got fired for that. You're right. It's like 
is like when you realize you didn't put Washington minus nine and a half instead of Oregon, you're like, yeah. oh no. Uh, but no, shout out Miami, Ohio. Uh, we talked about it before the game previewing. Their defense was easily the best in the MAC. Uh, they shut down that Toledo offense. Like I said, they almost beat them earlier this year. And this time they did it with a different quarterback. They really didn't focus on throwing the ball. They had a great ground game, though, and they were able to control most of the clock. And Toledo, like you said, they just didn't get it done. And now their starting quarterback, Daquan Finn, is in the transfer portal after the after the game. So he's not even wanting to stay for the bowl game. So, uh, But that's another one of the many good QB prospects in the transfer portal that I'm sure some teams are going to go after. But, yeah, shout out Miami, Ohio. Uh, for winning the MAC, absolutely. Uh, then we go to the Big Twelve Championship: Texas versus Oklahoma State, and this was all Texas right away. And you could tell the sense of urgency uh, from this group. They knew they needed to win and win convincingly to give themselves a, ch- a shot at going to the college football playoff and win convincingly. They did. Oklahoma State. This was the ninth time this season they went into the halftime locker rooms trailing, um, and while they're nine and four this season. That's got to take a toll on a team. And with Mike Gundy's squad, they're right there, even though this wasn't uh, necessarily their best team. Obviously, uh, Spencer Sanders uh, gone in the transfer portal this past year. Um, But they found uh, their answers in the run game with Ollie Gordon. And uh, there's a bright future there for Oklahoma State uh, if they can find the right pieces for this team. Uh, But it's got to start with – getting uh, off to faster starts too many slow starts and hopefully that's something this team can adjust because at their best they were one of the most exciting teams to watch in college football yeah i'm not gonna lie this might be one of the strangest teams in the history of college football i'm not gonna lie to you. just nine and four and you look at what their losses were south alabama iowa state ucf but then they beat kansas they beat oklahoma they beat west virginia they beat kansas state uh i just it's one of the weirder teams ever, and it's yeah, I don't know what else to say. But they got behind the eight ball early in this one, and they couldn't get Ollie Gordon going because they were behind by double digits early in the game. That's what cost them. Whenever they got down by double digits, I was like, it's over. They're not going to be able to get Ollie Gordon going on the ground. They're thinking they need to pass, pass, pass to get back in it, and it just got away from them. But shout-out to Vondre Sweat, uh, defensive lineman for Texas, called a touchdown and hit one of the more iconic Heisman poses. Yeah. Maybe in the history of college football, maybe even better than Desmond Howard or Charles Woodson. Yeah, uh, left the left the hand a little too low though. Yeah, <laughs> uh, get that uh, get that arm up a little bit. Maybe um, if somebody's like you're too little, and I'm the Heisman. Winner. Yeah, maybe, maybe a combination. So. <laughs> um, and then we have the Mountain West Championship game, and uh, the really uh, sharp looking UNLV squad uh, came into this game and was defeated 44 to 20 by Boise State. And what a uh, comeback effort this season for the Broncos. Um, you look at this team and they were down and out. They fired their coach halfway through the season. And then all of a sudden things started to click. They beat Air Force at the time unbeaten. Um, and they did a lot to get to this championship game. Uh, and they came in and they got the job done here against UNLV. Um, and maybe we start to see uh, a Boise State of past uh, as they maybe can reemerge, especially with this expanded playoff, more opportunity. Yeah, definitely. A big shout-out to Spencer Danielson, the coach. He got the full-time job there, as he rightfully did. Um, but, yeah, they dominated this game. Of course, I've said it all year. I've said it since he was a freshman. Taylor Green, uh, my favorite QB one of my favorite QBs, college football. I hope he can keep on getting developed because, like I said, if they can develop him 
he has potential to be Cam Newton 2.0. I don't know if he'll reach that, but I, I like just I look at it and I'm say the potential is there. But no, shout out to him. Shout out uh, Ashton Genty. He's one of the big players coming back for the Broncos next year. So, uh, and he was great as a sophomore this year. So if they get him working with uh, Taylor Green, that offense is clicking. And you know, I kind of felt bad for UNLV, but yeah, they just. They ran into a Boise State team that's been on a roll since that coaching change. Absolutely, just a just a tough team to stop. Uh, into the SEC championship, where um, we we had an, a unique situation uh, <laughs> ready to unfold. Georgia sitting at number one, Alabama sitting at number eight. Bama needs to win to get in, and even then, especially with the uh, result of the Texas game being wrapped up. Serious doubts about uh, the chances, right. uh, maybe of still getting in for Alabama, um, but Georgia was sitting in a position where um, I'm sure they weren't thinking this in the game, but it's a position where uh, in years past you could sit and say we're safe, win or lose, right. we're safe. Right. Uh, in fact, never before had a number one seed uh, in the penultimate rankings falling completely out of the playoff. Um, So Georgia had every right to feel safe. They didn't play like they felt safe. Um, This was a gritty uh, defensive matchup. There weren't a lot of explosive plays on offense, but at the end of the game, Alabama got the job done. And really in the first half, Alabama dominated this game, and it was a a resounding resurgence effort uh, for Georgia in the second half, but still couldn't keep the tide down. Uh, this team seems rejuvenated uh, now that uh, Jalen Milrow has that confidence from his coaching staff and especially head coach Nick Saban. Um, he's got that belief, and they've been playing so much better since get, since that uh, USF game. Yeah, uh, and I will say, I mean, after that opening drive by Georgia went right down the field, Bama went three and out first two possessions. I was like, oh, boy, here, here we go. Yeah. Uh, but credit to Bama. They kept on fighting, and they were able to get their offense going. And, yeah, like you said, after that, they were up by 10 at halftime. They had dominated the first half. And to me, the thing that cost Georgia was they were not aggressive in the first half. They were not aggressive throwing the football. Um, they tried to get the ground game going, and it wasn't working. Bama was shutting down the ground game left, right, and in the middle. Uh, and they tried to keep on forcing the ground game, and it just wasn't working. Uh, Bama kept on working with their game plan. And Georgia fought back to get it back into the game. Um, but credit to Bama, that final drive to go down the field and score and then controlling the clock. And, yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. After that game happened, I was like, it's a great win for Bama. I don't know if they're getting in. I really think Georgia's going to be left in because that's what happened in the past. But, no, I was happy. I was happy for Bama, and I was mainly happy for Jalen Miller, who, again, I want us to say – um, us here at the Bull Take Podcast, we've never had a doubt about Jalen Milrow. I mean, what, we saw him in person last year? Yeah, just come out of nowhere, Bright. We th- I mean, we celebrated. Bryce Young comes out of the game, and we're like, okay, we've got a chance in this one. And then he um, runs like 80 yards. And then the his second play, he scrambles <laughs> uh, on a broken pass play for almost a touchdown. It's 80-something yards. Yeah, in- insanity. We- we've seen this guy's talent on display. It was just a matter of unlocking it and getting that belief from his coaching staff. And once he got that, he really has executed this year. Absolutely. Um, then uh, in the American Athletic Championship game, uh, some – New face, a new face, uh, obviously with Cincinnati, UCF departing from this conference, uh, as well as Houston. Um, there was room for some new teams to try and step up and win this division. And 
Uh, SMU gets the job done against number 22, Tulane, 26-14. to 14. Uh, An impressive effort for Tulane, uh, or for SMU, uh, against a Tulane team that really dominated the American last year, dominated USC yeah. in their bowl game last year, um, and then was clearly the small favorite to win this game. But coming out, leaving no questions about it, SMU, uh, before they pack up their bags and head to the ACC, they get a big conference championship win in an 11-2 season. I think the future's bright out there for the Mustangs. Oh, it absolutely is. And, uh, you know, you look <clears throat> you look at this for uh, Tulane, it's just brutal. You win, you're going to another New Year's Six Bowl, second straight year. Then, along with losing the game, you learn your head coach is leaving to, to go coach at Houston. Uh that was kind of a questionable decision on his part, in my opinion. Yeah. Don't know if I would have left for Houston. Um, but, you know, hey, he has his priorities. But, no, whenever I saw that uh, a true freshman was starting his first career game, I was like, surely Tulane's got this. But SMU made this game ugly. and talked about their defense has been so good this year and probably one of the more underrated defenses in college football. They shut down the Tulane offense, and the quarterback, Evan Jennings, and them did enough to get the win, even though he threw two interceptions, the ground game was able to get working, and he made the throws whenever it mattered. But yeah, shout out to SMU. Um, I'm not gonna lie, if they did, if they had their starting quarterback, I think they would have won by more in this game, and I think they'd be the team playing in a New Year's Six Bowl instead of Liberty if they had him still. Yeah, uh, I don't disagree with that statement. This this was an impressive display by SMU, and uh, definitely puts them on the map. Um, a big thing for them, you talk about this expanded playoff. Uh, moving to the ACC, if they can keep this kind of momentum, uh, I mean, you look at an eleven and two season. That's definitely uh, as an ACC team, you're comp- definitely competing for a spot. You don't have to worry about um, just trying to scrape by and hopefully be the highest ranked Group of Five team. Now you get a little more leeway playing a Power Five schedule. Definitely, um, and I think something that we also need to consider with the twelve team playoff coming next year. Think about how significant this would have been. Tulane would have won. They would have been the highest-ranked group of five champion in. They lose, Liberty wins, which means Liberty would be celebrating and dancing because they would be in the playoff now. And I'm sure we're going we're gonna to talk more about what the 12-team playoff look later on, but I do have a full bracket here that would show matchup by matchup. That's what I like to hear. Um, then we had Troy completely dominate App State, and it was a very, very, very impressive performance by Kamani uh, Vidal, oh, uh, the junior running back. 233 yards, five rushing touchdowns. App State really didn't stand a chance in this game. And it's unfortunate. I would have loved to see this Troy team face off against James Madison, yeah. uh, the team that should have rightfully been here. Um, but App State gave their best effort. But Troy clinches, what, back-to-back Sunbelt championships yep. now? Yep, back-to-back, two in a row. And, yeah, congrats to them. Uh, but I will say also, uh, yeah, I would have liked to see him play against James Madison. And speaking of James Madison, they do have their next head coach, apparently, uh, in Bob Chesney, who was the head coach at Holy Cross originally. Okay. So he's making the move up to Division One level. But yeah, like you talked about, um, dominant on the ground game by Kamani Vidal. I mean, he's only a junior. And I'm going to be honest, if I'm him, I might consider him the transfer portal because I'm sure there's a lot of teams that would like him to be their star running back. Um uh, Arkansas will we'll yeah. gladly take him. I mean, with Rocket Sanders in the portal, I'll gladly take him. Uh, I would say I'm going to fully recruit you, but I'm currently in the process of trying to fully recruit Cam Ward to get to Fayetteville. Um, 
He hasn't responded to any of my Venmos that I've been trying to send him. He hasn't responded to any. I was like, I could get you an advertisement literally tomorrow. He's not listening to anything I say, but I, but this would be a nice runner-up if Arkansas could somehow get him to add to their backfield. But, yeah, shout-out to Troy two years in a row. And this is kind of a revenge factor. You think about the App State game from last year, that Hail Mary that happened. This is kind of a get-back. Yeah. They were able to dominate them. Absolutely. Um then we'll talk about our last two big championship games, the ACC championship, where Florida State scrapes by uh, a miserable Louisville team, sixteen to six. And uh, if you didn't have uh, the displeasure of watching this game, uh, count yourself lucky. This was uh, an unbearable affair, in my opinion. Florida State could not throw the football <laughs> in this game. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about my thoughts on playoff implication and such. Uh, in a moment when we talk about the rankings. But just as far as the game, uh, I mean, it got so bad that they were just trying to chew clock in the third and midway through the third quarter. They were just running wildcat offense because they were up by, what, seven points. And they were like, let's just give the ball straight to the running back and just run it and run it, and then we'll punt it, and our defense is playing well enough to stop Jack Plummer. I don't know what he was doing, a Louisville's quarterback, Made some of the worst reads yeah. I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, if the guy could just get the football out quicker, Louisville might actually win this game. But just sitting in the pocket waiting for Jared first to get there is just not acceptable. And then when he does finally get a pass off, he's throwing it 10 yards behind a receiver to be intercepted in the right. end zone. Um, that was an unbearable, unbearable fourth quarter to watch because it was like Florida State can't do anything on offense. Louisville gets another stop. Punt. Yep. Louisville has a three and out or a turnover, and it was just back and forth, nonstop, disgusting football. At least with Iowa, Iowa plays extremely good defense. Their whole strategy is that, sure, we can't score on offense, but we're going to keep you low, and we're going to give ourselves a million opportunities. Louisville is, our defense is giving everything, and our quarterback is giving the ball up immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was a, it was an eyesore. It was a pain. Um, it, it, it was brutal to watch for both teams. Uh, it was not a good look for a Florida state team that certainly was trying to convince people they were a playoff team. Uh, I will say, <clears throat> even though the game I was calling was a blowout, I'm glad I was calling a basketball game to distract me from watching this. Yeah. Um, cause, uh, boy, oh boy. Yeah. From everything I saw in the highlights, which was about two minutes long for this game. Yeah. Um, there wasn't one. Yeah, Jack Plummer clearly struggled, and clearly Louisville saw that because they were able to get the transfer from Texas Tech. Uh, I think Tyler Shook is how you pronounce the name. Yeah. Um, he's coming over next year for Louisville, so that's a good, uh, maybe a better piece at quarterback. If he can stay healthy. And that's a, yeah, that's, that's the big thing. If he can stay healthy, that's been one of the big problems in his career, and Jack Plummer being a senior, yeah. Um, I came back at... The, I got home halfway through the third quarter, and yeah, I was just watching some of Louisville's offense, and yeah, that one interception by Plummer was one of the worst I've seen because you're about to score and tie it up. I'm like, okay, this is where Louisville goes on its run to win the game. Yeah, and it just it never happened. But the Florida State defense did a great job in the game, like you said. Um, we're going to talk more about that whole thing in general uh, in a minute. But I mean, look, undefeated. Uh, Conference champions at the ACC, you know, congrats to you, Florida State. Congrats. Absolutely. It was a, it was a well-fought season. They certainly had some struggles down the stretch after losing Jordan Travis, but 
the way this defense was able to kind of rebound and keep this team going is uh, really a big storyline for them and a big uh, big factor for this team. Um, but finally, we have Michigan in the Big Ten Championship coming out 26 to nothing against Iowa. Um, and, you know, I wanted Iowa to win. I picked Iowa to win this game. Oh, they didn't get the job done. And, I mean, that simply comes with the Iowa brand of football. This game was close and close and close. And then the mistakes started to pile up. Um, Iowa, it was a valiant run this season. Um, Might be one of the greatest runs in the history of college football to be that horrible on offense and get to 10 wins and get to a conference championship. And in traditional Iowa fashion, they may have gotten blown out, but you bet this was an under. Yeah. Uh, under 36. <laughs> Might have been um, the second easiest bet of the weekend. Uh, this was absolutely phenomenal. Even when Iowa gives up so many points unanswered, they will still hold the under. That is the kind of team you want in America. Shout uh, out, Iowa. They are America's team. You, yes. Um, but, I mean, listen, we got to talk about the elephant in the room with the golf simulator. Have you heard about this? <clears throat> yes, uh, the uh, the free beer until Iowa scores a touchdown. Uh, and, that and that the, business has gone under. It has to have. There's yeah. no way you can convince me. Uh, I saw. Well, I saw a thing that apparently they must have not had very much business because they said only about 200 beers were ordered, which kind of feels like a lot. But this game was on for almost three hours. Yeah, it's free beer till they score a touchdown. You think that'd get people in the door? Um. But it was only about $500 worth of beer, I think I saw, got huh. uh, went for free. May, now, maybe there were some kind of restrictions maybe. out there. Which, or, if so, shame on the yeah. shame on the golf simulator. Because, obviously, false advertising there. But can we talk um, about how funny it would have been, like, at that golf simulator place with all those, with the people that were there just completely yeah. drunk trying to play the golf simulator I mean, game. yeah, if, if they didn't have a lot of business, 200 beers is a lot of beers for like 10 people. I, I would pay uh, money to have seen video yeah. from the people at the golf uh, I really wanted to try and make the trip out there just to <laughs> cash in on the opportunity, but <laughs> it was uh, a whole lot of work for nothing. Uh, uh, but no, been. but Michigan won this game, and they really didn't even have to try on offense. Um, no, that's, yeah. that's basically what they did. They didn't do a whole lot on offense. They did enough. They did enough to win the game, which is what they were just aiming for in this game. They knew if they won, they would be in the playoff no matter what. Yeah, I think uh, McCarthy had under 200 yards. They really didn't have much of a ground game. Um, they just let the Iowa offense kind of make its mistakes, and they just capitalized on it. That's pretty much what this game was. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see coming into this playoff. This run game has been really, really good for Michigan. Uh, but coming into this uh, postseason play now, um, four straight games with J.J. McCarthy under 150 yards passing. Um, the question's going to be, you know, is this purely a strategic thing, just pounding the rock because they know they can run the ball so well? Um, or are there serious concerns? I, I guess obviously we'll see uh, when it comes to playing time. But uh, this team is going to have to be able to throw the football uh down the stretch because they're not going to be able to just run the ball down everybody's throats, especially with some of the formidable defenses we've seen uh, heading into this matchup. Yeah, and I just wonder if they're just holding back until they like literally have to. Uh, that's my I, thought. That's what I'm. I'm curious about. Obviously, you know they play New Year's Day, so we'll find out for sure about that. But yeah, I'm just 
I'm curious if they're just holding back and waiting to just let it all loose in the playoff. I, I can't wait to find out. I hope that I'm right because that'll make that game even 10 times more entertaining. Yeah, uh, but let's talk about our team and player of the weeks here real quick, uh, and then we'll get into uh, the college football playoff uh, yep. rankings and talk. Um, but for team of the week, I had Alabama as my number one. Um, they really rose to the occasion. They were the number eight team. Um, they were facing the number one team. Odds were stacked against them where um, they definitely could have come out there and given up thinking that we're eight, nobody below six has ever made Nobody below six in the penultimate rankings has right. ever made it uh, into the college football. No one seed has ever fallen out of the college football playoff. Um, you know, all this stuff uh, that could have been going against them. Um, and they ignored it. They came out there. They got the job done. Um, and – they are back. Unfortunately, they are back, uh, and it's frightening to think about it. You know, Georgia gave us this false sense of security that um, they were the boogeyman now, and Nick Saban was gone, and unfortunately, that's just not the case. Um, at number two, I had Washington, uh, another top-five matchup uh, here uh, for Washington. Um, they meet Oregon. They get the job done. They prove it wasn't luck. They really dominate this game in a lot of facets. Um, they got the job done when they needed to. Big win for the Huskies to clinch a college football playoff berth. Uh, and number three, I have Miami of Ohio upsetting Toledo um, and maybe to start something big there in the MAC. Uh, SMU at number four. Uh, I really like this SMU team. Like you said, the, the true freshman quarterback starting, uh, odds stacked against them. Uh, especially facing Tulane, a team that has been pretty dominant the last couple of years, won the American last year, beat the crap out of USC. Whoa, sir, uh, language. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but, you know, really was a formidable force uh, in this uh, group of five. Um, and SMU got the job done, um, stepped up and, and – and, just made the plays that they needed to make. And at number five, I have Boise State. What a turnaround for this team uh, to finish 8-5, and five, uh, Mountain West champions. And, uh, again, we, we might be seeing the resurgence of this uh, Boise State program. All right, mine, uh, as you guessed, we didn't talk about a lot of games, so pretty much basically the same. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> number one, I had Alabama. Uh, same reason he said they were able to dominate. Really, this game had full control after that first touchdown drive. Uh, number two, I had Washington. Um, just was really impressed with their ability to kind of switch up what their offense has been all year. And really, they formed into a more complete team over the past couple of weeks uh, to end the season. Uh, number three, Miami, Ohio. Shout out to them. That defense is incredible for them. Uh, I'm really impressed. I was really impressed with them to win the Mac, you know, the top conference in all college football, um, Boise state at number four, like you said, we might be seeing a resurgence if they can keep up with Taylor green, um, you know, uh, Ashton Genty, if they're able to keep those guys and keep on building on other pieces. They're going to be a problem for the mountain West and number five SMU, uh, having a true freshman star his first career game in a conference championship and your defense Locks down, says, we got you. They lock down, <clears throat> and the offense is able to capitalize when they mattered most for it. Absolutely. Um, that takes us into the votes here. Uh, and on social media, it was really a, a two-dog race. Uh, Washington and Miami either tied or, tied or outright won all of the polls uh, on wow. social media. <laughs> um, everybody felt passionately about those two squads. Um, but – 
the team that happened to get more of those social media votes was the real Miami University. Um, They got the job done. They are our team of the week. Shout out Uh, Miami, the real Miami. Absolutely, the real Miami. Um, Then into player of the weeks, I had Kamani Baidol as my number one player. Uh, Obviously, the dominating performance really speaks for itself. Uh, At number two, I had uh, Caden Salter, quarterback from Liberty. Um, This guy is a special talent. Uh, Over 200 yards passing, multiple touchdowns, multiple touchdowns on the ground, over 100 yards rushing. Um, Just not talked about enough. At number three, I put Dylan Johnson, 152 yards on the ground and a rushing touchdown, as well as two completions and one of them for a touchdown. Uh, So I had to show a little love there. Uh, number four, I went Ashton Genty. This is the second time I believe I've had him in my players of the week. He's, I think so. Uh, yeah. Really been an exciting talent for Boise State um, and looking forward to seeing that continue. And then at number five, I put Quinn Ewers with that four-touchdown performance and an absolutely resounding mm-hmm. Texas victory. All right. So, again, some similarities. We do have some different players, though. Uh, number one, went with Kamani Vidal, like you said. Um, easily the most dominant performance of championship weekend. Number two, had to go with Ashton Genty. Second most dominant performance, obviously. Did a great job controlling the ground game. Number three, Tavondre Sweat, the defensive tackle for Texas. We already hinted at it. Caught a touchdown and had one of the more iconic plays maybe in the history of college football. I don't know. Um, But keep in mind also that game, that we got to talk about the controversy in the Dr. Pepper toss at halftime of the game. Did you hear about the controversy? I did not hear about the controversy. So two guys, it was two guys going out, you know, which by the way, both were doing the two-hand toss. Ban the two-hand. Ban hand. the toss. We've been saying this. Ban I the get, toss. I think it was the SEC championship. A guy actually won, and he was throwing the football normal. Wow, so finally. that guy's my hero. Yeah, bringing it back. Um, but anyway, they ended in a tie the first time. Wow. So they had to go um, again. and well, that No, they didn't go again. They went, uh, and it looked like a shot counted after the buzzer at the time had stopped. So it ended in a tie, and then they went again, and it ended in a tie again. And then they had to do a coin toss to determine who went first, and they went throw for throw. And wow. first guy missed, second one made it, he won. But since there was the controversy with the guy that won, that he got an extra shot off that tied it, uh, they both got $100,000 from Dr. Pepper. Wow, well, you love to see that. Yeah, but um, um, number four, I'll get him out of the way real quick. Number four, Jalen Milrow, because we love Jalen Milrow. And number five, Dylan Johnson, like you said, pretty much did it all for Washington. Ran, received, and even had a touchdown pass. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Hats off to him. Um, And I forgot to mention in Team of the Week, um, I don't think we've ever had a Team of the Week lose that we've both had as our number one Team of the Week, and Alabama did. Yeah. I get Uh, Those are the only votes they received were me and you. Hey, shout out out to the fans. They wanted Miami, Ohio. They heard your real Miami statement from last week. They they now understand who the real Miami is. (laughs) Um, And so shout out to them. Uh, but we cannot say the same for player of the week. I was about to say, this uh, is a runaway. undefeated streak of uh, a player getting both of our votes for first place uh, is going to continue as Kamani Vidal dominated the polls. Um, and even in the polls that he didn't win outright, he tied. Um, <laughs> so uh, Also, Ashton Genty and Devondre Sweat were in to those two ties uh, with uh, Kamani Vidal. But 26 total votes for Vidal. He's our player of the week. And rightfully so. This guy had a dominating performance. Really put his name 
uh, out there uh, in the college football world. Yes, sir. That's what I like to hear. Shout out to him. <laughs> yeah. But hopefully we can get an interview with him this summer. Hopefully. That's what I'd like to, that's what I'd like to hear. Um, but let's talk about the talk. What did something, what did something big happen? I don't know what happened. Uh, besides it being the most viewed selection yeah. show ever. And, uh, probably more controversy about the selection than ever. Um, besides that, I don't know what else might have happened. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we had our college football playoff revealed. And the top four teams are as follows. Michigan at number one, Washington at number two, Texas at number three, Alabama at number four, undefeated ACC champion Florida State at number five, and at number six, SEC runner-up 12-1 and one, Georgia. Um, and there's a conversation to be had about right. Florida State, and we're here to have it not – I'll say this, coming into championship weekend, I think we both said the same thing. Florida State wins, they're in. I think, yeah, I think we word for word both we said both that. We both said that. And then I watched Florida State play, <laughs> and I thought there is no way in heaven, on earth, or anywhere else that this team can compete for a national championship. Yeah. Um it's that it was that cut and dry to me when you are up seven points and you are running wildcat for one yard just because it keeps the clock moving and just because you cannot throw the football you cannot play in the national championship game you just can't um and there i know there are going to be some arguments brought up so i want to bring them to you and i want to see some of your thoughts. Um, and obviously feel free to speak up if you have a different opinion. Maybe you thought Florida State should have been in it. Um, but the first big argument, which I'm actually for this argument, this is the only argument I will listen to, is that um, Florida State was undefeated and a conference champion. And I think that is a completely fair thing to acknowledge. There right. has been a precedent that because it never happened before uh that if you are undefeated and you win your conference championship you go to the playoff that has been the model right um <clears throat> to put it lightly florida state did everything they could do um they couldn't have done any better yeah agree as far as winning the games so personally that's an argument i am willing to hear out. I think if that's why you think Florida State should be in the top four, then I absolutely am 100% on your side. You can sway me. Right. Here's what I won't have. <laughs> Florida State looked better than Alabama and Texas. On what planet? Quinn Ewers threw for four touchdowns. And Jaylen you know that, that other team... Didn't they beat the number one ranked team in the country or something? Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's uh, an insane, insane, insane statement. Yeah. Um, to me, it doesn't make any sense how you could look at this Florida State team and think that they were better than Texas or Alabama over these last three weeks. Yeah. Uh, I'm right there. I understand people's <clears throat> uh, concern about it, but, you know, 
I asked this question on a show I did the other day. Uh, you could look at it and say, well, it's not fair to Florida State. You could say it's not fair to them. They went undefeated. What else are they supposed to do? Um, but I, I asked this question. What is the committee's job? Is the committee's job to be fair to teams or do the right thing or to put the four best teams in? Their job is to put the four best teams in. And literally on their website, their principles for selecting has, uh, you know, the obviously the head-to-head conference champion, but also has other relevant factors such as unavailability of key players and coaches that may have affected a team's performance during its season or likely will affect its postseason performance. They literally have it in there for why Florida State was left out. And listen, I get Florida State went undefeated, but Austin literally said it. Where do people come up with the idea that they would be better than Texas and Bama getting in for it? Um, I don't I don't understand that argument. And just straight up, I'll ask you people that are listening. And if you say yes to this, I really you're you're kind of dizzy and that you're kind of loopy in the head. Is Florida State were to play Bama or Texas head to head with the way their team is right now, do they win outright? No. Not is no. it even close? It's not close. Yeah. Um, there's your answer right there. Oklahoma, I'll give you this. Oklahoma State is a better team than Florida State is right now. Mm-hmm. And Oklahoma State got thrashed. I would like to see Iowa and Florida State play. That would be Yeah. Uh, give me why we why didn't we get that in the bowl game? Forget about Florida State, Georgia. I want Florida State, Iowa in a bowl game. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, but just real quick, I'll, that's what I what I wanted to say as my main point. Obviously, you said you have more counterpoints and stuff right to add into it. Yeah, uh, another argument uh, that I've been seeing is that oh, the committee decided based on the way the third string played, the second string might be back in time for the playoff. Yeah, might be back. Dude had such a bad concussion that it took. Till the day of the game for them to even know what was going to happen. Right. If he comes back, I don't care. I mean, here, let's just go look at it. Let's look at his stats. And I will say, I want to, I want to say this to people. They're like, well, Ohio State made the first year with a third string. Look at Ohio State's performance in the Big Ten Championship compared to Florida State's in their conference championship. Ohio State beat a very solid Wisconsin team, forty-two to nothing, with Cardell Jones. Throwing it deep down the field. They were able to be a balanced offense. This Florida State team was not a balanced offense. So, I mean, the different, I mean, it's ridiculous. I, I'm also going to put it like this Ohio State's backups were so good that the next year their starting quarterback converted to wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah. that his backup could play quarterback. I, I mean, that's, you think that's what Jordan Travis would do next year? Uh, also, just so we're clear. Tay Rodemaker uh, against Florida, 134 yards, zero touchdowns, 12 for 25, less than 50% completion percentage, uh, and ran for negative 26 yards. So he's not bringing anything on offense. Uh, Let's see here. He threw for 217 against North Alabama. Uh, That's North Alabama. I mean, come on. North Alabama, sure. But uh, against Florida, did not play a good game. Didn't play against Louisville, uh, where they threw for fifty-five yards. Yeah, uh, eight for twenty-one. Yeah, I, I mean, Florida State just didn't have it. This was just not a team uh, made for the college football playoffs. It, it's just come. You want to make a real point? Come out and beat Georgia. You won't, but do that, and I'll listen to your arguments. I was about to say I will listen to an argument if you can beat Georgia, but you're telling me. And another thing with these rankings that really just tick me off 
I get you saying Florida State's not as good as Bama and Texas, but yet you still ranked Florida State at five ahead of Georgia. Yeah, so that means that you think Bama and Texas are better than Florida State, but Florida State's better than Georgia? Are you insane? I think I think the thing I didn't like was that they almost tried to the committee almost tried to use being the number five team as like a consolation prize, as like you didn't make the playoff, but you're the best team not in the playoff. Which but is that's not true. Not true. That's not it's true not a all. true statement. Double down on what you said. Make a point. This team is not better than Ohio State right now. If anything, drop them down to maybe eight or nine to make your point. Yeah, I, I'm completely with you. I, this team's not better than Ohio State. It's not better than Oregon. Oregon, not better than Mizzou, not better than Penn State, not better than Ole Miss. And maybe, maybe Oklahoma. Maybe Oklahoma, maybe LSU, maybe Arizona. Um, but those those top eleven teams, those other eleven teams, no, no they this. It's just not even close. And again, I know it's not fair. Again, like I said, this game is not meant to be fair. Life yeah. football's not a fair game. I mean, I just ask me about Jesse James in the NFL. Just ask this man about several times with officiating with Bears games too. I imagine. This game's oh, I'm not glad meant you to, didn't say the thing I thought you were saying. Uh, yeah, I wasn't. I, 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 I was nice. I didn't say it. Um, but anyway, this game's not meant to be fair. The job of the committee, which this is what got on my nerve with hearing Booker complain about this, the guy that always has something in his nose. Yeah. Um. Anyway, he's all. He's like, this is a travesty. The fact that you win all your games, you should get in. I'm like, that's not the criteria that they're doing. The criteria isn't you win all your games, you're going to be in the playoff. That's not what the criteria there's, is. Yeah, there's no automatic bid. that. If now, you go next year there will be, but for winning your conference. Yeah, if you win your conference and you're one of the top six teams, top six conference champions, you will go. And it's still going to be based on a ranking. Right. So, yeah, the job is to not be fair. The job of the committee, which I give them credit, this is probably the first time since probably ever that they legitimately said, we can't just do the right thing and just move teams around the top four. We need to put the four best teams in. And putting Texas and Mama. And another thing I give the committee credit for, which I know is strange to me saying this after two years ago when we were both, I think, hating on the committee more than anybody. Yeah. Um, but they kept the head-to-heads that mattered. They put Texas in and ranked them ahead of Bama. Head-to-head mattered. Texas beat Bama. They got Texas got three, Bama got four. I respect the committee because in my head, I was like, Bama should be in, but there's no way they can't put Bama in without putting Texas in. And they did that. So I give the committee a ton of credit for that. Yeah, absolutely. I think they got. I think they did the job right. I, I think they got it as right as they could because either way... Somebody's upset. Yeah, someone's uh, upset. Bama's like, we beat the number one team in the country. How do you leave us out? Georgia's like, we were number one all year. How do you leave us out? Florida State, we went undefeated. How do you leave us out? Either way, you have three teams in the South who have very large fan bases, and you're never going to hear the end of it from either side. You you were you were dating if you do and aren't if you don't. You were you were screwed no matter what. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think they made the most correct decision. Yes, um, absolutely. Uh, like you said, it wasn't a win. Yeah, and to me, this is, I'm not going to lie to you, this is probably the most balanced college football playoff I've seen in the entire era of college football playoffs. This is probably the most balanced it's been with those top four. Yeah, uh, absolutely. This is going to be uh, an extremely unique matchup, and it's going to be up to everybody playing uh, up to their best level here. Um, but that's for next week. We'll get that's more than that. for next week. Yeah, obviously we'll talk about those. Um, the final thing I want to touch on this is I am actually, uh, it's going to sound crazy, I'm glad, though, that 
people have exploded into this hatred uh, for the playoff the way it stands right now because I think there were still some people uh, and I, I maybe the committee did this on purpose for this reason. I like where you're going. Um, I think I know where you're going. I like. I, I like. But there were a lot of people who were all who were indifferent or even against expanding the playoff, saying, "Oh, the games are going to mean nothing. Oh, too many people make it." But now, what are we hearing? Now that Florida State's out, they're saying. Oh, the games meant nothing in the four-team era because even if you go undefeated and win your conference championship, you don't go to the playoff. The games mean nothing, and now they're going to mean something. I'm so glad we're going to a 12-team playoff. Congrats, College Football Playoff Committee. You have swayed everyone. (laughs) It's actually a genius play. If If that's the only reason they did it, slight shame on you because this is the right way to do it. But... Also, good. I'm so glad there could not have been a better time for this to happen because now more people, if not everybody, is open to the idea of a 12-team playoff, realizing just how poorly constructed trying to take four teams in college football is. Yeah. Uh, Nobody else. Yeah. No yeah. other playoff structure takes four teams. And I, I know I bring this up and people you know, hate me for it each time. FCS has a <clears throat> 24-team playoff. I've never once heard anyone complain about that. Never. I've never heard a complaint about that. I know you're going to say, well, FCS is different from FBS. Um, they, they still play football, if yeah. I'm correct. Um, plus, you know, why wouldn't you want to get more teams in and get more money for those schools? Um, but let me say this. I'm not, now I'm not saying they should because they've already gone up to 12 now. But this proves that it's never been enough. Four teams has never been enough. Uh, even whenever we felt there were four top teams, there's always, well, what if this team played this team? How yeah. would that be different? Now we're going to get that answer going forward. And if you want to, Austin, I do have what the 12-team playoff would look like this year. I'd like to hear it. <clears throat> so, obviously, one Michigan, two Washington, three Texas, four Alabama. They'd be the top four because all four are conference champions. Yeah. So, uh, the fifth seed would be Florida State next highest-ranked conference champion, they would play 12C, which is Liberty, which, you know, uh, we talked about it uh, with this. Uh, if Tulane had won, this be Tulane. But since they lost, it's Liberty. And really, this year, it would have been a fun year because everyone would be like, could Liberty actually beat Florida State? Yeah. And Or there would be even more of a serious debate maybe for SMU to take that spot. I don't know that they necessarily would with the injury at the quarterback position right now. But – they win their conference championship. Maybe, you know, time to consider them. Definitely. Uh, six versus 11. This will be a rematch of this year, which I know people will hate. But look, if the SEC has top teams, I don't know what you want them to do. Uh, six Georgia versus 11 Ole Miss. And I actually think Ole Miss would, li- would love a rematch. I know they'd have to go to Athens again. But keep in mind, that was a close game for about two quarters between yeah. those two. Uh, the next one would be seven versus 10. It'd be Ohio State versus Penn State rematch. And... Uh, this intrigues me so much because, you know, and another thing that we talk about that's good about the playoff is literally a big example. Kyle McCord, as soon as he saw Ohio State wasn't in and they were going to a bowl game, he enters into the transfer portal. What happens if we have the 12-team playoff this year? Is he still the starting quarterback at Ohio State, or does he still lead to enter the transfer portal then? That's a yeah. question that could be asked. Uh, that. Well, yeah, even to touch on that, after, you know, a couple of days after the Big Ten Championship or, or the that matchup, you know, their Ohio State's last game, um, Ryan Day was asked, you know, 
how do you feel about the future of the quarterback position? And he said, I don't know. Kyle McCord made a lot of mistakes against Michigan. You get, you survive. Somehow you make it to this college football playoff like they would have this year if it was 12 teams. Does he consider going to somebody else? Does he play Kyle McCord? How does that affect a matchup with Penn State where a different quarterback? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, lots of situations open up, of course. And then this final one, which I actually think would be a fun, unique matchup, number eight Oregon versus number nine Missouri. That would actually, to me, be a fun, intriguing matchup. Um, So, listen. You can, if you still hate on it, I don't know what else to tell you about this year to prove that a 12-team playoff is going to be fun, but this would be a fun year for a 12-team playoff. It, it's, it would be fun. Next year, we get the real thing. Uh, I'm just, I'm ready for it, Austin. I don't know if you are, but I'm, I'm fully ready. I'm like 110% there after this whole thing with the committee because after all the teams I got left out, it's just like, it's not fair. Yeah, uh, I completely agree. And, you know, you think of some teams that maybe kind of, give up down the stretch. I won't say Notre Dame did, but they could find themselves in a position where as an independent, you know, they lose one game and they might be all right. But once they lose two games, they're out. Um, And that's really for most everybody. Now you've got this expanded playoff where, I mean, there were a lot of two lost teams making it in uh, in the 12 team. Uh, You talk about it, uh, Ole Miss, Penn State, Missouri, and Oregon, all two lost teams. Um, who got spots in. So you see teams fight a little bit harder. Al, uh, LSU maybe could try to have made a case, um, you know, stuff like that. So obviously plenty of opportunities. Um, and again, had Iowa in a 12-team playoff era won against Michigan, they automatically clinch in. Michigan is probably still going to have a spot in that top 12, and now somebody falls out. Uh, it creates a lot more competitiveness and uh makes every game I think it makes every game mean a little bit more. Um but let's head into our last little segment here where we pick America's game. Army yes. versus Navy. Who do you got? Well I think do we both want to agree on the under for this game? Do you see what the under is at? Absolutely. Twenty seven and a half. You probably. take the under. It's yeah. uh and a fun fact for you, I have a stat. The under is forty four and nine in the last fifty three meetings between service academies. Forty four and nine. So, yeah, um, that can be an extra bet of the week for both of us. That could be our, you take the under. Um, but both teams are 5-6. and six. They're fighting for a 500 record this year. And um, I'm not going to lie to you, I love Jeff Munkin and what he's done uh, at Army. But And I would say I would pick Navy, but I feel like I'm still mad at them for what they did to their coach last year and kind of firing him whenever I didn't think he deserved to be fired. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with the Army Black Knights to win America's game. Uh. I love it. Uh, I'm going to go with the midshipmen, though. Uh, Something about the midshipmen just feels right in this one. Um, I don't know what it is. I'll be completely honest with you. I'm just feeling (laughs) Navy this year. I like it, yeah. Um, But finally, let's take a look at one bowl game you're excited for here, not counting college football playoff game. Um, Just a game you're looking forward to seeing, uh, something that's exciting, uh, a matchup that you think is, uh, you know, raises some interesting questions maybe yeah um there's a there's a lot of games i'm looking forward to um but one i'm just i just keep on getting intrigued over uh i'm excited to see nc state and kansas state play um in the pop tar bowl number one apparently i heard the winning team gets to eat an edible mascot edible mascot so um but also i know um um 
Howard, I forgot what his first name is, Will Howard, uh, is not is transferring out of there. So I know they won't have him. But we need to talk about this NC State. NC State is probably the least talked about nine and three team, maybe in the history of college football. They went nine and three this year, and I don't think anybody even noticed. Their only losses are to Notre Dame, Louisville, and Duke. And they beat everyone else. So I'm excited to see these two teams go head to head. It'll be fun. Um, and another one I'll just add Arizona, Oklahoma. I'm excited to see Arizona play a big time opponent. Yeah, uh, I'm ready to see what this team could do, build on the future. Uh, a game I'm certainly looking forward to. Uh, obviously, I think Missouri, Ohio State uh, could be an interesting one. Right. Um, but a game I'm really locking in on is Ole Miss versus Penn State in the Peach Bowl. To me, that's going to be um, the best game. That's the best game of all the world. I, I, I think this is going to be a great game outside of the college football playoff because in this game, there haven't been a lot of guys. Uh, Jackson Dart probably going to play in this game. Quinchon Judkins going to play in this game. Drew Allar going to play in this game. A lot of the big names for these guys, at least for right now, are playing in this game. Um, and so that's going to lead to a really exciting matchup between 10 and 11. Uh, I, so that, I think that's a matchup I'm really going to have my eyes on uh, coming up. But with all that said, that's going to do it for us here at the Bull Take Podcast. Make sure to be with us next week for Bowl Game Bonanza, where we're every picking game. every single bowl game. Uh, could really mess up the game pick situation. Luckily, 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 I made a lot of good picks on uh championship weekend i don't yeah. exactly know what it uh, the end ended up looking like yeah uh third um, you are if i can pull them up 36 and 24 i'm 33 and 27 so literally three games separate us so yeah the, it might be two after army navy this weekend yeah uh depending on what happens in army navy depends on how that situation shakes up but Either way, whether it's four games, three, it doesn't four matter. games or two games, it won't matter. There's so many bowl games. Uh, it'll be absolutely uh, jam-packed trying to decide. You do not want to miss that episode next no, week. No, it's probably going to push me under 500. I feel like this is the point of the year where I sell. <laughs> I've done so great this year, staying above 500. Uh, but with all that being said, that'll do it for us here at the Bold Take Podcast. Uh, make sure to listen to that NFL episode.